Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we, we come before you, O God, and we are asking that you will breathe upon this session, this time of our worship, uh, that you will speak and people will hear your voice and not the voice of a man, that you, by your spirit you will bring revelation, Heavenly Father, and, and our lives will be changed, transformed, we'll be strengthened in our walk with you, in Jesus' name, and together we say, Amen. Amen. We've been uh, on a series for a number of weeks where we have been talking about the heart. Um, we've talked about how the heart uh, is the, the fundamental foundational place from which we all live. Our foundation text is taken from Proverbs, the fourth chapter and the 23rd verse. Um, the, the, the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Um, and I love another translation that says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the cause of life. It tells us how our heart is priority. Um, from it spring the issues of life. It determines the cause of life. And of course, as we have said time and time again, um, it's not talking about a physical heart. It's talking about our inner being, uh, that place in us uh, where we make life decisions, uh, where our emotions rest, uh, uh, our will rests. Um, and we said that we started last week uh, because we had spoken about how if this place is priority, then the enemy is going to try and attack a person's heart. He's going to try and uh, cause wounds in a person's heart uh, to sow things that are negative into a person's heart. And when that happens, as we said before, a person develops what we call a heart disease. Um, and if it's not arrested, it can actually lead to some sort of a fatality, the equivalent of a natural heart attack, where the person's life just literally falls apart. And to help us understand what a heart disease of this heart looks like, uh, we, we looked at certain symptoms. Now, in the way medicine works, to make a diagnosis, um, the doctors will look at certain symptoms as pointers towards a certain diagnosis. And so what kind of symptoms of this heart disease that we are speaking about? And we said there are a number. Um, the list is not exhaustive, but it helps us begin to understand what heart disease looks like. We said where a person's Christian walk has become routine and mundane. It has become... Uh, uh, dreary. We said where a person has lost the passion 
the fire, the zeal that the person had for the things of God. We said where a person, especially when the person used to take steps of faith, no longer does so. The person has arrived at a place where faith in God has been replaced by their intellect, uh, their senses, and that's how they make life's decisions. We said where a person is overcome by anxiety or worry about life or about the things of life. We said where a person has dropped off considerably with regards to their service in the house of God. They were diligent, committed, loyal, but now it would seem that they have dropped off. We said where a person uh, finds that they are no longer giving of their time, their talent, and their treasure. That they're no longer giving. It has dimin diminished considerably. We said where a person struggles with the spiritual disciplines, the things that make us grow as Christians, particularly the study of the word, worship, prayer, um, a person finds that they're struggling in that area. We said where a person has lost the excitement to talk about their faith and their God. They used to have it, but now it's just become dull. Uh, we said where a person is not sharing testimonies, what God did in my life, not sharing their testimony, how God rescued me and saved me. We said where a person doesn't have a burden for people who don't yet know the Christ that they know. We said where a person is struggling with fear, fear of the future, fear of sickness, fear of failure, and all the many other fears that can paralyze a person. We said where a person does not have contentment and is constantly, constantly aiming for, constantly dissatisfied with, does not even find the time to pause and be grateful to God for what God has done. We said where a person finds it challenging to love others, to express love uh, to others. We said where a person doesn't have joy, um, and on the con might have the exact opposite of joy, constantly down in the dumps, uh, constantly um, full of despair. We said where a person is paralyzed by life circumstances, just can't move, overwhelmed, overcome by life circumstances. And we said where a person struggles to obey the word of God. Now, those, the existence of those things in themselves does not mean that there is a heart disease. But where those things exist over a period of time and where the consequence of their existence is that the person's life is paralyzed, is, is the person's life is impeded in terms of enjoying the fullness of life, where we find that the th these things are suffocating a person, they are marring a person's life, they are, they are, they are, they are preventing that person from enjoying what Jesus Christ himself describes as the fullness of life. When it is over a period of time, when it colors a person's life, when it defines a person's life, we say then those symptoms beg the question, is there a heart disease? And so we want to go on and talk about 
the, continue our talk about the antidote to this heart disease. How can we deal with this heart disease? We said last week that the, 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 num, the main antidote to this heart disease, to this pollution of the heart, that of course is the work of an enemy. Uh, sometimes using life circumstances, but certainly orchestrated. Because of course, as we know, his ministry is very clear. John 10 verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he wants to do. Thankfully, that scripture doesn't end there. Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's his plan that even as we go through life and the issues of life, we do so with an abundance of life. So how do we do that? How do we deal with heart disease? How do we counter the enemy's arrows that seek, that seek to poison our hearts. Since we understand that is the wellspring of life, we know that he wants to pollute that well, wellspring because what comes from, that, from the heart, as the Bible says, determines the cause of life. We said the antidote is the revelation of God. You know, in much the same way in, the medical, in, in medicine, um, if there's a virus, then they find uh, an, an antidote, uh, antibiotics uh, that, that somehow will attack whatever is wrong in our bodies. It is the same way that the love of God does that. The revelation of the love of God, for the love of God exists. That is who God is. But it doesn't begin to bear fruit in our lives until we have a revelation of it. And that's what the psalmist says in Psalms 143 verse 8. This is his prayer. Let the dawning day bring me revelation of your tender unfailing love. Give me light for my path and teach me for I trust in you. But he says let the dawning day bring me revelation of your, un of your tender unfailing love. And you know the revelation is almost like a, a, a curtain is pulled back to show us something that hitherto, prior to, we couldn't see. And the psalmist's prayer is pull the curtain back and show, give me a revelation, an understanding of your love. And that is our prayer, that, that God will give us an understanding, a revelation of his love. It changes everything completely. It is foundational to living a fulfilled life as a Christian, a revelation of God's love. In Ephesians, the first chapter and the 17th verse, Paul praying for the church in Ephesus. And we say amen to this prayer. He says, I pray the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. This is our prayer. God, give us, impart to us this spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you as we get more intimate with you. And I'm sure you know that knowing him is really knowing him as God who is love and is really knowing the love of God. So that's our prayer, Jesus' house, that out of all this, this, out of this journey, that God will give us the spirit of revelation 
to come to understand his love even as we know him. Because you see, that revelation changes everything. It is so fundamental, church. Completely changes every single thing. You know, when Solomon was giving his son counsel and, and speaking into his son's life, he says this in Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 3 and 4. This is the New International Version. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. He was saying to his son, son, this is fundamental. As you start out in life, as you forge ahead in life, I want you to know that you must understand love and faithfulness. Take it, bind it around your neck, write it on the tablet of your heart. And you know, some translations will say mercy, but the, the real word is a word called hesed, and that means God's loyal love. So what is he saying? He says you've got to understand the God kind of love. He says, son, you must get this God kind of love. You must have revelation. You must write it on your heart. He said, because when you do, you understand the God kind of love. You walk in that love. He said, it gives you favor with God because you get it and it gives you favor with man. And so how do we do that? How does his son do that? How do we get that, this, this revelation of God's love? If it is so fundamental, if it is the antidote to any kind of disease in our hearts, some of the symptoms we've mentioned and more, how do we get it? And in the two verses before, he points us to how. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. He says, son, this is the way to live. You can't, you mustn't forget my teachings. Now, they were not his personal teachings. They were, it was the, the teachings of God that he had imparted to his son. The word of God that he had shared with his son. He says, son, you mustn't forget those teachings. You must allow those teachings to take root in your heart. Let them be implanted in your heart. He says that way you are guaranteed as you move on in life that you will have success and prosperity, peace and prosperity. But it comes from that, that, those teachings being embedded in your heart. You know, we say God is love. But how is that love expressed? This is what Solomon was teaching him. That love is expressed in his word. The word of God. The totality of the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation is really a love story. These are, this, this is God expressing his love for us. In his word. 
And so we can't get the love of God separate from the word of God. The love of God is not something that comes upon us separate from the word of God. It is intertwined with the word of God. Its expression is in the word of God. So if God is love, and we want that love to come and sit in our hearts, to come and take residence in our hearts, it comes firstly from the word of God. That's why the church struggles. We might do every other thing, but if we don't become a church that is in the Word of God, reading and studying and meditating the Word of God, then we, will, we, we can't become a church that has received the love of God. Can, can someone say amen if that makes sense? But then it's not just the love of God in the Word. It is the love of God in the Word that finds its Total expression in the Word. The eternal Word. So you know how John says it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He says in John 1 verse 1. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What was John, John saying? John was saying, in a sense that this word that God has given us finds its fulfillment and its expression in Jesus himself, the word of God. So when we talk about receiving God's love, we must receive the word, the Bible, and receive Christ, the Son of God. The totality is the love of God. Can someone say amen? So let me tell you a bit about thrones and couches to drive this message home. So in the human heart, not the physical heart, um, what the, the, the Passion Translation calls our innermost being, there's space for a throne or for couches. If we allow couches in our hearts. We have created the space for those couches to be occupied. And they will be occupied because there is space. They'll be occupied by any of the spiritual expressions of any of those symptoms that we have spoken about. Fear might take a place on the couch. Insecurity might find some space on the couch because there are couches all over the place. Jealousy might decide... I kind of like to hang out with fear and insecurity and take its place on the couch. Dejection might decide, why don't I join them on the couch? And the nature of 
spiritual things, I was listening to Derek Prince, they tend to move in gangs. And so when one goes, they think, why don't we invite more? And as long as there are couches, they are going to fill those couches. And these guys don't have any, any respect or any order. Even if the couches are full, they can sit on each other. There's just, let's just get as many of ourselves in there because there's space there. You know how Jesus talks about how um, when you cleanse a person's heart, you've got to fill it quickly because otherwise those you have chased out go and look for more and stronger, more, 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 more difficult contemporaries and come back. And Jesus says, the latter state is worse than the former because they're couches. But then God didn't build our heart for couches. He built our heart for a throne. And there's only space on a throne for one person. And the throne of our hearts should have the, the word the eternal word of God resident on that throne. We only have space in our hearts for the word, the word of God, and that ultimately expresses itself in the eternal word of God, Christ. And when that, when the word and the eternal word are resident on the throne of your heart, the love of God has taken its place in your heart. Because you can't separate the word or the eternal word God, Jesus, from the love of God. And when the love of God takes its place in your heart in that nature, it's an antidote to every expression of disease. It naturally counters every symptom that I have described. It's not possible for those symptoms to remain there if the word in its, in its expression as the Bible and the total expression as Christ has taken its place in our hearts. Can someone say amen? And so we work to create a throne in our hearts and get rid of couches. And we work to enthrone the word in, on that throne. Because the expression of the word is the love of God in our hearts. And so Paul, in describing to us how we leave this out, says this prayer to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 14 to 19. He says, So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I want to pause there for a minute. Because this is a hurdle 
that some of us have to get over. Paul says it starts first with understanding that this father that we're appealing to is a perfect father. But therein lies the challenge. Because some of us have encountered very, very, very imperfect fathers. Not just the imperfection that comes from the fact that we are human. But we've encountered fathers that have been the exact opposite in so many ways of this perfect father. Fathers and father figures who by their actions, their relationships with us, have completely skewed our understanding of a perfect father in heaven. Fathers who haven't treated us right. Father figures who were supposed to, to the extent that man can start to model for us what a father is and looks like. But they've done the exact opposite, introducing into our understanding of this perfect father, in a sense, polluting our ability to receive the understanding of a perfect father. And so the, t the moment we hear father our uh, experiences, encounters, relationships suddenly come into the mix. And so we can't even start the journey towards opening up to a perfect father. And someone here knows what I'm talking about. Where you've had to leave or encounter a father, a father figure, who rather than help on this journey has actually worked against us understanding a perfect father. Fathers who have been absent. And so the concept of a father who will be with you wherever you go is difficult to grasp because I've had to deal with a father who was never there. Fathers who have cut us down with our words. Sometimes spiritual fathers People in, in roles of fathers that might not even have been natural. And because they've cut us with their words, I, I struggle to receive the affirmation, the affirming words that come from the word as my father speaks them to me. Fathers who have betrayed the trust that was put in them. And so, to protect myself, I've tried not to be vulnerable anymore, including not being vulnerable to my Heavenly Father, because I'm not sure if He will let me down the same way my other father let me down. The list is endless. 
But Paul says we have to understand that he is a perfect father. Perfect father. He says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. What we're talking about can't happen naturally. It doesn't happen because you had a good sermon. It doesn't happen because you read a good book. It doesn't happen because someone tells you that you need the foundation of the love of God, this agape love of God in your heart. It doesn't happen because of any of those things. It doesn't happen because you happen to be in a functional family. It must happen, Paul says, supernaturally. It must happen by the Spirit of God. He says there's something supernatural that floods your innermost being. Your innermost being is your heart. Our prayer is that the supernatural will be introduced into your heart. That as you listen to the Word, study the Word, as you go back over the teachings, that something supernatural will happen to you that will transform you. If you're that person, can I hear you say an amen? If you believe that, say an amen. He says when it floods your being, that supernatural strength, that strength that comes from outside ourselves, that strength that comes from the same spirit that brought Jesus back to life, when it floods your being, your innermost being, with, it floods it with divine might and explosive power you suddenly can do things that you could not do. It comes because something supernatural is happening to you. You can overcome the dejection. You can literally, by that supernatural power, pick these guys off the couch and throw them out of your life. And while you're doing that, throw the couch after them so that there's no space for them. Without supernatural strength, how do you confront the fear that is sitting on the couch, sipping a pina colada, and reaching out to dejection and rejection and insecurity and all these other mates to come? How do you confront it? It has to be not by power or by might, but by His Spirit, supernaturally. And then he goes on to say, then by constantly using your faith. Because you see, everything in the kingdom is a faith transaction. How am I going to deal with these this, this illegal occupants who are now resident, sitting on these couches in my heart? I can't do it naturally. I have to do it by faith. I have to trust God. I have to trust His Word. I have to trust that He, will, he is who He says and He will do what He says. You know, the writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, without trusting God, it is impossible to please God. Powerful scripture. This is the currency of our kingdom. Trusting God. That he will do what he says. That he is who he says. 
It says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For, for he that comes to God must, must come believing that God is. God is who he says he is. Please, will you join me to believe that God is? He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the source of life. He's the author of our faith. Join me to believe that what the Bible says about God is true. That this God closes a door, no one can open it. Please join me to believe that if God opens a door, no one can close it. Will you join me to believe that if God lifts up a person, no one can bring him down? Join me to believe that there are kingdoms, but God sits above these kingdoms. Will you join me to believe that all power does belong to this God? Will you join with me to believe that this God says to the proud waves thus far, they obeyed him? Will you join me to believe that by the word of this God, the world continues to revolve? Will you join me to believe? That this is the same God that spoke to a rock and the rock released water for his children to drink. Will you join me to believe that this is the same God that commanded a raven of all birds to feed his prophet? Will you join me to believe that this is the same God that says you are the apple of his eye? Will you join me to believe that this is the same God that says he's numbered every strand on your hair? Will you join me to believe that this is the same God that sent his son to die for you? Will you join me to believe that this is the same God that says, I see the end from the beginning. Will you join me to believe that this is the same God that when he starts something, he finishes it? Will you join me to believe that the God of the Bible is still the God of 21st century Christians in London? Will you join me to believe that? Will you trust him? Will you trust him that he says, I'm not a man that I should lie. I'm not the son of man that I should change my mind. Have I said it and will I not do it? Will you join me to believe that despite the circumstances saying the contrary, that the word of God trumps the circumstances? Will somebody say amen to that? It says then by constantly using your faith, Let's exercise our faith muscles. Some of our faith muscles have become flabby because we're not, we're, not, we're not lifting weights. When we encounter these circumstances, let's see them as an opportunity to lift weights and exercise and strengthen our faith muscles. Since then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. It's as we exercise that faith that something happens. As we step out on a limb, trusting God, that something happens. Because out on that limb, there's nobody who can save you. Nobody can make it happen, but only God. As we do that, the Bible says, the life of Christ is released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. That's where we live from, the resting place of his love. It is only from the resting place of his love that in a world that is so uncertain, someone can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's only from the resting place of his love that someone can overturn what life has brought their way. And in a sense, 
Take the lemons that life has thrown and create lemonade that everybody wants to buy. It's only from the resting place of his love. It becomes the source and root of life. That's what we're praying for. That we live out of the love of Christ. That we live in the overflow. That when people come across us, they experience the overflow of the love of Christ. And then he says this, then. Somebody say with me then. One more time, say it boldly. Go on, if you're online, type it in the chat. Then. He says, you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. One translation would say what all the saints comprehend. Now, this is where we want to go. This is the revelation we're talking about. That as we do this, as the word takes residence in our hearts, as the eternal word takes residence on the throne, one throne, no space for two, and no space for two people on the throne, that what then happens is that we find ourselves rooted in, in, in the love of God, living out of the love of God, responding out of the love of God. And then he says, what then happens is that we're empowered and, we, and this is what we discover. Church. We discover the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. This is what transforms people. We discover how deeply and intimate and far-reaching is his love. We discover how enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. When a person finds themselves there, where the Bible says this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God, that person is untouchable by anything here on earth or anything that can be thrown their way from the pits of hell. They've created a buffer around them. They are encased in the love of God. They are functioning from their source as the love of God. So when we read some of the things the saints of old did, that's how they did it. It doesn't say that life's challenges don't come, life's circumstances don't come. No, they do come. But you know, when you're dealing with life's issues from that place where one of the Bible translations says you are rooted and grounded in the love of God, it's different how you deal with it. You don't second guess God. You know that no matter how this thing lands, I win. Because I'm encased in the love of God and I am overflowing in the love of God. Can someone say amen? amen. You know they say the uh, wisdom is the application of knowledge. So of course, let's not just hear. Let's be like the, the Berean Christians. The Bible talks about the Berean Christians and says they would hear, then they would go back. They would study. 
And the aim of study is to apply it to our lives. The church struggles because the church does not have a revelation of God's love. It completely, totally transforms your life when you have a revelation of God's love. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. And Lord, we bless you. Let's bow our heads as we come to an end for those who are in the worship center. I started speaking about the, the obstacle and it's a, it's a major obstacle that is put before some of us. Because of encounters, relationships with fathers who rather than take us further on this journey, sometimes because they are dealing with their own issues, have been used by the enemy to become impediments. They've polluted our concept of father because in some instances they've left wounds in our hearts, pains in our hearts. In some cases, they've hardened our hearts. And with all heads bowed, you, 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 might, you know yourself if you're in that category. You've got to receive the father's love. Open up yourself to what God wants to do. And so if you're, if you're in that category, you know yourself. It might be a natural father, a father figure. Even those of us who are fathers of the faith, what we call spiritual fathers, might have hurt you. I'd like you to come forward. We would love to pray with you. Not just pray with you. I'm believing that the pastors who pray with you will have a word for you from God that will start that journey. So come from wherever you are. If you, if you want to receive that Father's love uh, because you find that you're struggling with it, come from wherever you are, uh, male and female. That's just the way it works. You know. Somewhere in our lives, uh, there's been some impediment. Come from wherever you are. Come, 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 come. Don't be embarrassed about it. This is family. Come from wherever you are. Come, come. We'll wait for you. Come, come. Um, the pastors are going to pray with you and by God's grace they will give you a word by God's grace come, come, come from wherever you are come, come, come Father we just thank you thank you Lord anybody else we want to pray come, come we'll wait for you we'll wait for you you know for, for let me speak to the guys you know one of the worst things that can, can plague a man until he's dealt with is not to have ever had a father tell you well done you know there's something that happens to a guy when a father tells you you done well just something that happens to a guy and so we, we, we keep aiming and aiming and aiming and struggling and struggling because we just wanted a father to say well done your father in heaven says well done to you and saying well done not because of what you have done but just because you are his son so come from wherever you are. We'd love to pray with you. Come. The pastors will pray with you. 
God will give them a word for you that will be life changing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. Thank you, Lord. And while they're praying for them, if there's anyone in here who hasn't given their life to Christ, I'd like a, a, one of our a male pastors to come or a male deacon to come. 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 Anybody? Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Go on. Thank you, Lord. And please listen as they give you a word. God will give them a word for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We bless you, Lord. And whilst they're praying for them and they're praying for those who are online, if there's anyone here, you're still you're sitting in the congregation, you're online and you haven't received this Father's love in the expression of the eternal word, Jesus. You haven't welcomed him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. This is a wonderful opportunity to do so. Just open up your heart and receive him into your heart. Even right now, receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. If you would love to do that, and you're in the auditorium, if you would slip your hands up wherever you are. This is receiving the love of God, the eternal word of God, as onto the throne of your heart. Slip your hand up wherever you are. Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you, O God. We thank, for, thank God for those online who are, have indicated that they want to receive Jesus onto the throne of their hearts. Lord, I pray for them, O God, that as they open up your hearts, you will come and sit on the throne of their hearts. That you will give them the grace to be obedient to you, Heavenly Father. That Lord, as they make this confession, you will welcome them into your family. Father, we just thank you. And Lord, we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, please scan that QR code. And then for a few minutes, we're just going to, we're just going to reverence our perfect Father in heaven. And I'd like you to forget about the person on either side of you as you just do that. Just reverence your perfect Father in heaven. Hallelujah.
Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you for your, your mercies, your grace, your loving kindness, your tender mercies, Heavenly Father. We thank you, O God. Amen. Amen.